Hello, fellow songwriters, and welcome to the 28th episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process. I'm your host, Trey Xavier, and today I'm going to be talking to Eugene Abdukhanov from Ginger about how the band writes songs. Today's episode is sponsored by the amazing DistroKid, the best way to get your music on the internet, and their awesome hyperfollow feature, which is very easy for me to talk about because I literally just used it because my band, In Virtue, just dropped a new single, and our hyperfollow link is in the description right now. I am using this for real. So it's super simple. It's just the one-stop shop link for uh, all of the links to your release on DistroKid, all the different places that you can find it. If you release a song, this is the link that you use to promote it because, for example, maybe somebody doesn't like to use Spotify or Apple Music. They want to use a particular one. It will have all of the links to wherever you uh, people want to listen to your song right in there. You can check it out at the link in the description for mine, uh, for the my band's new release, which is called Scream. And it's if you want to, for example, collect pre-saves beforehand with emails, this is what you're going to use. You're going to give people this link. And then when the song actually drops, it's uh, it transforms. It magically becomes a link to the actual streaming services rather than just the pre-save. Totally amazing. Love DistroKid so much. Uh, for more on that, hit the link in the description and you're going to get 7% off your first year. So huge thanks to DistroKid. And now their latest album is called Wallflowers. Please give a very warm welcome to my guest, Eugene from Ginger. Hi, everyone. Yeah. Dude, what's up? Finally, things are good. Things are good. It's been a long day. Obviously, it is late night here in Europe. I spent most most of the day driving. Just some family business had uh, I had to take my family to Sofia, Bulgaria, just to do some business. Mm-hmm. Well, a bit tired, but absolutely excited to talk to you tonight. Uh, and well, just saying hi to the U.S. and the whole world from Ginger. All right. Well. So very excited to have you on. Um, been on my on my list of guests. I've been hoping to get on for quite some time now. Um, although I do feel pretty lucky that I uh, this is only episode twenty eight, and I've had I've been lucky to have so many amazing guests, and to get you in under under the fifty episode mark feels pretty good. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. So first of all. We've got a regular viewer on the Gear God stream, or on the Trey Xavier stream, I should say, because I just changed the name of the channel, and I'm not used to it yet. He is the biggest Ginger fan that I know, and I was hoping that you could give this guy a shout-out. His name is Rezo, and he's been bugging me to get you guys on for the longest time. Well, first of all, thanks a lot to Rezo, uh, and, well, here I am. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you for giving us that much support, you did the job. So I am on Gear Gods now, got to talk for a while about this and that. Well, and uh, hopefully see you at our shows one day. So there's really only one question on this podcast, and all the other questions are follow-ups. So the question is, what is your usual songwriting process for the band and how was it different for your 
most either maybe your most recent release or what you're working on now or something like that? Well, the process was changing throughout the years as the band was changing. It is really weird to say, but next year, 2023, Ginger will be 15 years old. Yeah, 15 years ago, the guys got together in the city of Gorlovka, east of Ukraine, and here we are, 15 years after. The band changed drastically throughout the years, and the process of songwriting changed a lot too. First of all, because there were different members. Everybody knows, I mean, everybody in the fan base knows that nowadays we don't actually have any original members in the band. Tatiana joined the band in the late 2008 or beginning 2009. Yeah, and around the same time Roman joined. But originally the band was formed by way different people. And they all are, you know, gone from the lineup. And throughout the years, we had the number of drummers. Uh, we, we had, uh, once we had two guitarists. And uh, obviously, because of that, this is the main reason why songwriting, the process of songwriting was different at different stages. Up to a certain point, I think most of the material, 99%, was coming from the guitarists. And, well, it is clear when you listen to our music, because the first record, Inhale, Do Not Breathe, and the second record, which is our first LP, uh, official LP, Cloud Factory, that that was pretty much guitar music based on guitar riffs when bass just follows the guitar and drumming is mostly just double kick and we all were big Lamb of God fans and we're still big Lamb of God fans and I think everyone who listens to our first records can definitely get the similarities because we we we, we we wanted it at some point. We wanted to sound like Lamb of God, and we did so. So most of the songs, most of the material came from guitarists. Then lineup changed. New members came in. Some members just members just left the band. Like Mitri Oxing, he left the guitarist. Uh, he left the band in 2015, and because of that, the uh, let's say the chemistry inside the band and the the roles we play, the, it all changed and the music started to be born in a different way, way, absolutely different way. On King of Everything album, I was way more into writing music than before, for example. Even though Roman wrote most of it, like 75% at least. But anyways, I was involved into writing way more. Then 2016 is the year when Vlad, our drummer joined us. And everybody knows that Vlad is a multi-instrumentalist. He can play whatever he wants. And I, I bet that if he desires to play a trumpet after a couple of months, he will be able to play a trumpet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, because of that, uh, and because actually Vlad was writing music, being a drummer in his previous bands, he, little by little, gradually, uh, was getting more and more into writing and writing. And eventually, Wallflower is an album which was written mostly by Vlad, our drummer. There is only one song which came from me, and there is one song which came from Roman, and the rest of the songs 
that's all Vlad. But at the same time, by the time Wallflowers was was written, we the process turned into the following. Even though somebody just comes up with a sketch of a song, a composition, mostly it is like guitar riffs and some drums, or if it comes from me, this is a bass line. Uh, we anyway work together on arrangements. And for Wallflower, we learned all the songs before going to the studio. We played all these songs at the rehearsal room. Then we made the pre-production demo, we changed something, and only then we went to the studio to record a master record. Even though riffs or compositions come from one person, the rest of the team work very hard on their own bass lines, guitar parts, guitar leaks, and so on and so forth. And by some time, it all comes to Tatiana, who already has more or less built compositions. She just writes her lyrics and sings on top of our compositions. This is, this is in short words, how Wallflowers was made. Yeah. But again, at different stages, it was way, way different at the beginning and a little bit different in the middle. And it just came to a point of Wallflower and we, we did it like that with Wallflower. So at what point during the process do you feel like you've uh, got enough of an arrangement to bring it to the jam room and play it all together? Like like you said, you uh, even if it's um, pretty fleshed out, you will play it all together and work on your own parts. Is uh, Will you, for example, um, do a, a, a rough demo version on your computer or something and then send it to everyone and they... Then they all learn it and then you go jam it? Or is it like, how does that work? Good good question. Well, actually, we start with tabs. We use Guitar Pro a lot. Uh, mm. Just to share your ideas with the, the rest of the band, I think Guitar Pro is the best tool. Because you can actually see the notes. And, well, it really helps to work on the on the arrangements later on. So then the next... The next step will be writing your own. For example, if let, let's just talk on the, on a certain example. Yeah, uh, we there is a song "Copycat," for example, from Wallflowers. I remember I got the tab from uh, Vlad, same time as Roman got the tab. Yeah, and we we just started learning. Roman already got the guitar parts more or less composed by Vlad, so he started learning and bringing his own flavor into these guitar parts. At the same time, I started working on bass lines. And the thing is that I, when I write my bass lines, I do not really follow the guitar. Uh, I follow the drums. I play more with the drums than the guitar. Uh, and very often, bass lines are very, very different from what the guitar plays. So the next step after that will be just joining together the rehearsal room and playing it, trying to play it together. After certain rehearsals, we start recording a demo. Just, yeah, Vlad sits down and plays the entire song uh, on drums. Then it's Roman and me. We play our bass and guitar parts and have a rough demo, which is which actually in, in some cases sounds good enough even to share with somebody else. I mean, we really love how Roman 
how he makes his mixes. It sounds very raw, uh, raw and rough, and uh, there is something in, in in this. So maybe one day we'll we'll just release all our demos with one big release. Who knows? After we record the demo, we listen to it a lot, and this is the point when we can change something. So we can even delete this and that part of the song, or just change the arrangements. And then we re-record, for example, once again. And after that, this demo goes to the piano. So how much would you say a song might change during that that portion from the, be- the getting the tab, um, and then you guys are actually playing it together? Do you tend to change things very drastically, or you just go, oh, maybe this section doesn't work? Maybe an example of something that changed a lot in that? It depends. It depends. For example, Colossus. The song from Wallflower, it actually had a soft part. Originally, it had a soft part right before the ending. And uh, we just felt like that could be a perfect headbanger. And we just felt like this is a song that just doesn't need any soft parts, any anything like that. And we decided to delete that whole soft part and the... Here we are, we have a, a, a banker song, which is all heavy from A to Z, but originally it was it was quite different. Yeah, it, now it, ha- it doesn't have the whole part, as they say. Or Wallflower. It used to have originally a major a major part in the, in the middle, uh, just before the, the heavy part hits in. There was a, a piece which was written in major. And this is what the guys didn't really like, and we changed it. We we preserved the uh, rhythmical structure, but we changed major into minor, and we have we have the song the way it is now. So sometimes the changes are quite big. Sometimes there are no changes. Just we we may write a song and and make zero changes to it after we make a demo, after we listen to a demo, and it just it just remains the way it is. Does anything ever get changed or moved around after you get a cut of the vocal parts from Tati? Very, very seldom. I think the only changes we make because of the vocals is just how many, let's say, how many times we play this and that riff. And if she just needs to squeeze in that piece of lyrics and she lacks just the the duration of a certain part, this riff or that part, we, we can make it longer or short, but it doesn't happen often. And this is probably the only, the only change that we make due to the vocals. Because I think the main reason for that is, is because Tatiana is very versatile as a vocalist. She has this perfect feeling of whether she needs to scream here and there or she needs to sing. And it somehow fits very well. So again, the only change we usually make for her is just the dur- duration of a certain part of a song. That's it. We, for example, we have never had a case when for she she felt uncomfortable singing, let's say. I know that for some vocalists, this or that part can be just too low or too high. It never happened to us. She just somehow adjusts perfectly to every song or every riff and does her own thing. That's a pretty cool and organic sounding process, I think. I, I like the sort of combination of using technology and planning it out very carefully beforehand and then taking it to the rehearsal room where you actually try it out and play it. 
some bands on here will never play the song all together before it's recorded, you know, and that's a pretty modern way of doing it. But also sometimes it's, you know, you can miss stuff pretty easily that you like, oh, no. Well, for example, <laughs> something that's impossible to play or or just doesn't work for whatever reason. And then you finally get it on stage and you're like, oh, God, this part goes on way too long. This is uncomfortable <laughs> or something like that. There are certain reasons why we do, we do it like that. First of all, what we try to write or what we write as musicians is uh, music for live shows, first of all. We, we are not that band who will, you know, try to put a million notes into a riff and then will not be able to pull it live. It, it is not, it is not for us. And this is what we, we never do. And because of that, we try to play before we record. And uh, also we, at some point we started feeling that becoming bigger and bigger as a band, we may miss something. And that something is actually the feeling which we all had as beginner musicians. I, I bet every single band at the very beginning of their way of their past wanted to be different from the others. For example, Ginger, we always wanted to be our own thing. And uh, this is why we, we try to write music together, even though Riffs come from one person, the others work together and make it organically, do it organically. And it, this, this really helps to stand out, in my opinion, because, first of all, it helps not to be repetitive. It helps to bring something new into new releases, into new songs, and into new music, because there are three people, three musicians who work on the music itself, apart from vocalists, of course. Uh, and uh, you, yeah, you mentioned that this is the the modern modern approach to making music. Like some bands may even not play the entire song before they they record it. And we we were in this position with uh, macro, I think, and micro. There were songs which we never played live before, and this is wrong, in my opinion. This is definitely wrong because. A musician or a band can really miss something. I have a feeling about certain songs which we released in the past. Now, when listening to these songs, I always have a feeling that I could do better. And this is a feeling which I don't have, for example, about Wallflowers because I, I had really enough time working on it. I wasn't, I wasn't rushed by anyone. I, I just was doing my job the best way I can do. And, uh, well, it, it really brings way more satisfaction to the process. Is there any point during the process where you seek outside consultation on it? Any Do you work with a producer or a or do you show the songs to anyone in your inner circle or anything like that? We, we definitely share demos with closest friends. But a producer, the, the only let's say, voice from the outside, which may have an impact on our music, is uh, Max Morton, who, who is our sound producer for the last four records or three records. I'm sorry, his name I, is Max Martin? Max, well, his pseudonym is Max Morton. Yeah, his, oh, his name is Max, actually. Yeah, Morton. Uh, sorry, I, yeah, thought, and, I yeah. thought you were, t for a second, I thought you were talking about Max Martin, the, uh, you know, like, guy who wrote songs for Britney Spears and stuff like the most 
<laughs> I was like, wow, uh, how'd you get him on the payroll? Sound designer. <laughs> sound designer from Kiev. And okay. we've been working with him for a number of years already. And yeah, he has uh, his own view on our on our material. When we already, uh, each time when we work on the master record at the studio and when we are making the final recording, he he can really change this and that, some notes, some arrangements, or that, again, the, the number of times we play a certain riff, uh, he, he has his voice, let's say. He has his uh, upper hand uh, changing this and that. But other than this, no, nobody else really has any impact on, on our music, except for the band themselves, ourselves. That's cool. Sometimes uh, bands need a lo- like a lot of that, and sometimes it gets way, way in the way, and it seems like you've got a very strong vision of what it needs to be, and yeah, maybe there's a little bit of polish here and there from someone like Max, but you know what it needs to be, and you you're already there. Yeah, this is first of all art. Let's let's admit that this is first of all art, nothing else, not business, not making money. Yeah, and this is a perfect way of self ex- expression. I'm not blaming anyone, but when too many uh, people from the outside get into your songs. This really destroys the whole point of self-expression because this is not anymore about four musicians who express themselves by means of music because it already involves a number of producers, songwriters from the outside. And this is not really true, if I can still say this word true. You know, don't get me as an old fact, but, well, we, we, we at least try to remain what we are, let's say, in short words. Yeah. I like that. So would you say that there's you have a philosophy about writing music or a, a way that you look at it? You said that it's you're always considering the live show and and playing it. Is there anything that you're consciously thinking about when you're writing songs or when you're making these kinds of decisions about songs that the rest of the band has written or anything like that? Yeah, we, we never call this a philosophy. <laughs> But there is certainly something like that. Because, well, we, everybody knows that we, we write quite complicated music. This is not, this is definitely not an easy listening. And we always want to be heavy. This is what will always stay with us, I think, that this band will be heavy. We always try to overcome ourselves. We don't want to be repetitive. We don't want to write a number, like 10, 10 same records for what? It's at least boring. I don't know if it is just bad or, or good. It is the way it is. This is Ginger, and this is what makes us different from everybody else. And we'll keep, we'll keep going our own way. But yeah, you're right. There is a philosophy. And uh, talking about this philosophy, uh, it's also important to say that we try not to overpile and overload our music with, you know, a number of different layers of guitars, other musical instruments, samples. We try to keep things simple on one hand. There are only three musical instruments, the drums, the bass, and the guitar. And there is really something else on top of this. So we expand our music really, you know, in our own way. 
we we try to be polyphonic, if I can say so, with just three musical instruments, uh, rather than just you know piling this with more and more layers of different arrangements. If you want to call this a philosophy, let's say this is ginger philosophy. Yeah, just keep it simple on one hand, but make it more complicated on the uh, complicated on the other hand, just by different means. Yeah, and like I said before, we all try to make music that sounds live, that sounds good live. Is there anything that you've ever done with that in mind of it really popping off live and it just didn't work? It didn't do what you thought it was going to? Like you, you got so stoked and got up on stage and it hit it and people are like... Well, it, it happens sometimes with new songs just because fans don't know new songs. But we just need to give them a bit more of time just to get more acquainted more familiar with this and that tune, and that's okay. Uh, I, I cannot really say that something went really bad with this and this, this and that song on stage. Maybe, yeah, first time people may get too much overwhelmed. <laughs> they they don't, don't get the point. But with time, things get easier and easier. Cool. So what would you say, excuse me, on the most recent album... Wallflowers was your favorite one to write and which one was the hardest to write? Interesting question. Uh, I can easily say which which my which is my favorite song. This called me symbol. And it was quite fun to write. It was quite fun to write even though this is not the easiest song to play because well it it, it requires some stamina and it's quite fast. Not the fastest one, but quite fast, quite technical. But it is very, very diverse. In terms of arrangements, it is very diverse. And uh, in terms of composition, it just goes different ways. And it, it is one of the most beautiful songs we've ever written. But if you ask me about the most, the hardest to write, I believe that was As I Boil Eyes. Especially for me, maybe. I, I've, I, I felt some difficulties there. Uh, some challenges, not difficulties, but challenges, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what else? For for the guys, it was Wallflower, because well, once again, they 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 even changed the whole part of the song, which used to be major, now it is minor. And the reason, one of the reasons why they changed it into minor is because uh, it was all based on the bass guitar line. And it was challenging for Roman to come up with something on the guitar which will fit perfectly. And the, the, one of the reasons is uh, for for the change was that he, he couldn't come with anything organic on top of that bass, and we changed it. And it was challenging. So I can say that partially it was hard. It was hard. Maybe the hardest piece to write for the band on that record. The easiest, maybe Colossus even though we deleted the whole part of the song. But it was quite easy to work on. Arrangements are not that complicated, and I mostly follow just because it, it is a banger, and, you know, it's all based on guitar riffs. The drums following the, the guitar, more or less, and the basses following the guitar, more or less. Maybe it was the easiest to write, and one of the f most fun songs to play live now. So you said that it was hard to come up with a th something organically that that fit this part once you made this change when you're having trouble coming up with something organically 
what's the move? What uh, do you go about it with some kind of uh, theory or like some structured way of thinking about it, or or how does that usually work? What's your problem solving? Me, me personally, if you ask me, yeah, I I borrow. <laughs> I borrow from the others when I feel that it's it's just getting too too hard for me to write something organic that will fit perfect perfectly i start looking for similar music uh, for example as i boil ice song this very piece which is a verse first verse after the heavy intro uh there is a soft part jazzy part and uh i just didn't know what to play over it i grabbed a couple of records by fusion bands and musicians listened to that and i came up with an idea of playing something melodic that will probably fit with vocals. And this is what eventually happened. I play a melodic part there, yeah, some, something in between rhythm and melody, because I, I still keep the rhythm but play a melodic part. And later on, when Tatiana started working on the vocals, she just followed the bass line. And so this is, a, that, this is that piece when bass and vocals, let's say, play together. And it turned out perfectly but this is the part which i felt you know challenging and what helped me was borrowing i listened to music which seemed to me similar to that piece and uh, listened to the solutions which other musicians in other genres implemented in similar pieces and parts and it helped me that's really cool if you can write a baseline melody that the singer picks up on that's a good melody. You did, that means you did a good job. I mean, I how, hope so. how often I does hope that so. happen, right? <laughs> like it doesn't happen all, often, but this is this is one of that philosophy of ginger that we try to do things which the others don't do often. Like for example, you know, vocals and bass playing together. That doesn't happen often in metal, and here we are. We we come up with something like that in our music. Is there anything that you've done on any of your albums? that you'll n just never do again you think that didn't didn't hit or didn't work or just something that you didn't like or whatever somehow the the first thing which comes up into my mind is the intro riff of uh words of wisdom song this is a riff where i combine slapping with playing with fingers and the problem of that especially for me at that time is uh, the lack of lows while playing uh, slap. Yeah, and because I combine two different ways of picking, there is this balance between some notes which are picked by just, you know, average fin fin fingering, if I can say so. <laughs> yeah, and slapping and popping. So they just, it creates some certain gap. So in some different pieces when I play uh, with slapping. And this is what I try to avoid since that time. So did it well, just feel like empty or sort of awkward? Exactly. exactly. It feels a bit empty and this is and th that is why a bit awkward. So that's that's what I try to avoid. I, on the previous records I slapping is not really my, my thing, honestly. I try to be very, very careful now when the idea of playing slap just comes. I, I think twice, honestly. I think twice before I, I do that now. 
Not you don't want you want to don't want to sound like Seinfeld metal every time. <laughs> so oh. sometimes, sometimes it works. Uh, I really like slap bass. I think it sounds cool in metal, but sometimes it's too much. Like, hey, I'm playing slap bass now. Listen, it's slap bass. Check it out. Check it out. Exactly. Exactly. That 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 a thing. That is a thing which drives me crazy sometimes because I can definitely say that. Some bassists and some songs and parts just played slap just to show off. And that slapping doesn't really complement the song. And uh, this is the priority. When, when, when you play such an instrument as bass, the first thing which, which you need to think about is whether you complement or not. Sometimes it's a good, this and that part is a good part just to show off. But it is 5% out of 100. The, the rest, 95% is complementing the arrangements. Because I think that I read this, this piece when I was just a beginner, maybe first three, four months of playing bass back in the days. And I had a book, uh, and I, I'm absolutely self-taught, self-educated. I never had any tutor, no teachers, nothing like that. I think I only took one or two lessons of bass in my entire life. Yeah, and I had a book, and there was a piece. It, it said that even the most, uh, even the best song, the best written song, may be spoiled by a mediocre baseline. And the mediocre baseline is first of all the line baseline, which doesn't complement the arrangements in the whole song. This is what we all need to keep in mind. I mean, we bassists. Right. So now that you've you've got. Um all of these releases under your belt. You've been a band for, like you said, pretty coming up on 15 years now. Um, and you are intentionally really pushing the envelope every time, really trying to do things that are different. Um, of course, always sounding like Ginger. Where do you think you might go to next? Like, what do you, um, is there anything in particular that you feel like you would like to do that you haven't done yet with the band? We are asked this question every time. And every time I answer the same, that nobody knows, nobody really knows what the next thing for Ginger will be. But this time there is an exception because we already have a number of new songs written and some of them are also recorded as demos. So we know more or less what the next record will be and it's, it, it's going to be very heavy. In some way, it's going to be more guitar-oriented. Some, as, at least the way I see those songs, a huge portion of them is just, you know, pure groove metal with some progressive elements, but the foundation is groove metal and maybe even Lamb of Godish a bit. So I would say that it's a sort of a step back to the roots, but as absolutely, you know, different ginger, not the way it was 10 years ago, but being different people being different musicians we just cannot write the same and uh, that's uh, that's let's say our own view on ourselves 10 years off uh, at the same time there are a lot of really really beautiful melodies especially those which came which came from Vlad he he managed to write a couple of fantastic mesmerized mesmerizing melodies and I cannot wait for you know, these songs to be out so that fans can listen to that because that's pure magic. Honestly, we need to write a couple of more songs and the new record is done, at least musically. 
And then it's Tatiana's lyrics and vocals. Would you say that the way that you are writing now, the, uh, the what you've described to me, this process, are you completely happy with it? Um, is there anything that you feel like would make it easier or better? Or I cannot it... be more, I cannot be happier, honestly, because, well, I, I, to tell you the truth, I feel very humble about, you know, me as a musician. Uh, I am just happy to be in a band with such wonderful musicians as Roman. He is a tremendous guitarist. He, he plays perfectly. He can just sit down and play the entire song cleanly. Yeah. And uh, Vlad is just a God-level musician and composer. He has musical education. He is actually a pianist. <laughs> yeah, he has a he has a diploma from a music college, and he is a pianist originally. Yeah, and uh, Tatiana is a one of a kind vocalist. There is nobody else like her. Such clean singing abilities, uh, such a tone in her voice. I mean, as a clean singer, first of all, and at the same time, was uh, just terrifying growls and screams. Uh, so I'm just happy to be with them. And uh, the way we write music, when everybody is involved, and I I have an equal share of my own contribution into what we're making, you know, being just a, a humble bass guitar, guitarist self-taught, and, you know, I, I need to maybe spend twice more time on everything than them. But, well, it doesn't matter. I, I have my own thing with them, and it, it's awesome. I cannot be happier, and I I wouldn't change anything. Everything works perfectly like a machine, so there is no need to change anything. If you could put one ginger song into a time capsule to represent the <laughs> band, the one that you know you you think will stand the test of time and really represents the band as a whole, which one would it be, and why? Unfortunately, there is such a song already, and it's Pisces. You know, with with sixty nine or something like that, yeah, million views on YouTube over the last four or five years. This song is already a time capsule. I'm sure that if there is still YouTube in forty years or something similar to YouTube, people will will keep on listening to that song, and and there will always will be people. There will always be people who will be, you know, really fascinated by that change of the dynamics this song has and so on and so forth. And I'm saying unfortunately because honestly I do not think that this is our best song. This is a good song. This is a, the biggest hit we have, but this is not our best song. And if you ask me about a song to put into a capsule, that would be uh, I Speak Astronomy for sure. I Speak Astronomy this song represents perfectly what we are. That is one of my favorites also. Thank you. I ask that question because it's 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 tough. Uh, it's tough to pick from your children, <laughs> um, but also I just really like to hear from the artist's perspective because, of course, there there will always be a fan favorite, and I think it's rarely the same as the artist's favorite, but sometimes. So that's cool to hear uh, which one you think is most representative. Okay, then how about this? What was different about the writing process for each of those songs? <laughs> well, first of all, it came from different people. They they came from different people. Most of uh, I Speak Astronomy is written by Roman. I only wrote 
the intro riff and the bridge between the intro and the, the main riff. And we work together on the ending part, the acoustic, the soft part. Uh, most of the song anyway comes from Roman. As for uh, Pisces, uh, most of the song comes from me and it mo- and the foundation of the song is based on a bass line. Uh, and uh, Pisces was the last song we uh, wrote for Kino Everything. It was a bit stressful and there were fights about that song. There were fights inside the band. We couldn't decide which way to go. And at some point, we were stuck. Uh, we couldn't connect the acoustic part with the uh, triplets of the, of the final part. Yeah, because the acoustic part is the fourth notes and then triplets come. And uh, the, uh, the solution came from a borrowing. I, I was listening to Opeth. I think it was Demon of the Fall song. Uh, and they, I, I might be mistaken which song it was, but their idea is that they, uh, loop the last three or six, uh, notes of a, of a reef and then switch to triplets by, by means of that. And this is what we did at the end of Pisces. We loop, uh, the guitar, uh, and this is the bridge between the main part and the triplets at the end. And, uh, well, there were fights, as I said, about about this and about the song, and it could be absolutely different. I remember now that we couldn't decide which way to go, and I remember that we had at least one option, the other option, that would make the whole song very, very different. And it's interesting whether this song would be such a big hit or not if we made it different. I wonder if there's, will, there's like I an alternate... Alternate universe, alternative ginger. version. Yeah, Alter- first of all, alter- alternative universe. Or we need to really dig deep, and probably we have that second version somewhere. Who knows? That would knows? be really interesting to hear the hear the two. That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I wasn't thinking about that since since we uh, were done with skin of everything. You, you just reminded me of that. So. We need to do some homework. Probably we have it somewhere. <laughs> it will be interesting to share with fans. I would love Who to. See, I would love to hear those and compare them. Um, it's it's interesting to hear that the what's considered your biggest hit is uh, was born out of some conflict within the band. Um, I mean, that happens every band. Bands are like families in a way. Um, of course, and I I, I even but, think that yeah. this is definitely not the conflicts and fights inside the band. This is sometimes not, this is not negative. This is a positive thing which drives a band, which, which may drive a band to new musical solutions, to some certain steps. And it can, it can be really positive. Whether it just depends on whether you can control this or not. Because sometimes fights and arguments just get out of control and then it ruins them. Fortunately for us, we somehow overgrown, we have overgrown that period. Yeah, and uh, we we still have fights, we still have arguments, but very, very rarely because of music, mostly because of some routine things on tour, because we each each of us just got sick and tired of the others. That shit happens. Fighting about music, at least on Wolf Hours, we didn't have any, and on Macro, 
either. We did we didn't have any fights on Mecca either. Well, there's there's the kind of fighting that happens because you care about a thing so much and you just want like just want it to be what yeah. you know it could be and it's probably better than the opposite which is not fighting about it cuz you don't give a shit and just like all right whatever if you're fighting about it cuz you you're just like no this is I know. has to be so good and we got to get it right then that's a good kind at the same time you may be just wrong each person when it comes to you know at point of conflict needs to ask themselves first of all are you right or wrong Eugene, for example, me. I am asking myself constantly whether I am right or wrong, whether I am ready to compromise, whether I am ready to find some middle ground with, with the others or not. And very often, in 99%, I realize now that there is some space for, comp- for, for, for a compromise. There is. And we can find another solution which will, which everybody, everybody will be happy about. I, I think this is a, um, this is a feature of a grown, grown up band when everybody can really put aside their ego. Do you feel like there's a way that you're thinking about it when you are making that decision, whether, like you're saying, you're right, you're wrong? When it comes to something that's a piece of art, there's no objective right and wrong. I'm always thinking, like, is this going to. Does this complement the song or is this just a self-indulgent left turn or whatever? But is there a basis for your right and wrong meter that you're thinking about when you're making those decisions? It's very hard to say. Very often I just try trust my instu- uh, intuition. intuition. And once again, I, I, I'm humble about myself and I do think that the rest of the team is way, way more talented than me. And... Uh, from this perspective, I, I easily, again, put aside my ego. I easily do so. And after all, like you said, in terms of art, because this is art, it is never objective because there are so many different points of view. There are so, so many perspectives. You, you can see something or listen to something, hear something. That is why, after all, there's, there is no real right or wrong. Yeah. And, uh, in order to save your own nerves, in order to avoid stress, sometimes it's good to step back, step aside. Sometimes, you, of course, you need to push your ideas forward, but up to a certain point, just not to make it destructive. Because destructive thoughts and destructive atmosphere and chemistry inside the band will not make it any better, definitely. Yeah, sometimes you gotta compromise just to, just to keep people around. Sometimes nothing else. It, it it all depends. It all depends. Of course, there is no perfect solution for every situation. But you know, again, it it's it's a feature of a grown up you know band group. Doesn't matter what you do. You you may write music and make music like we do. You may be just a business project. You may be a company, and this is a feature of a grown up company when. You know, you all work when there are people, when there is, let's say, staff, personal, and they all work for their own collective aim and purpose and goal rather than just doing their own shit individually. No, it doesn't work individually. You, there, there is some certain spirit of collectivism. So are there any um, influences 
of things that you've been listening to during the process of, let's say, writing this next thing, next album you've you, that you guys are working on? Anything that you were listening to that had any kind of influence on the direction of the album? It's hard to say because I don't know whether it is bad or good, but with time, it gets more and more complicated, more and more difficult to open up something new, to discover to discover something new in music, especially for me. Uh, and uh, I, I just tend to listen to my favorite tunes and very, very seldom I, I, I add something new on the playlist for, for myself. And I bet it's the same for, for the rest of, of the band. We There isn't much of new music in our playlists, in our, you know, earbuds. Yeah. We, well, how about, how about old stuff? So that, well, old stuff is old stuff. It has always been there. So it, it has been influencing uh, what we make for sure. Well, in terms of me, it's Opeth. Keep saying one and the same thing forever. Yeah, my favorite band is Opeth. And it definitely has an impact on our music. Like I said, the, the, that solution in Pisces came from Opus. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as for the others, I bet it's that old music which inspired them at the very beginning. It's still there. It's still, it is still with them. <laughs> Roman, if you ask him, for example, he, he cannot name his favorite band. He, this is a person who doesn't have favorite band. But at the same time, in his style of riffing, in, in his riffs, there is certain mix of old school new metal and groove metal. So it's a perfect mix of Limp Bizkit and Pantera. It's a perfect mix of <laughs> Lamb of God and uh, Play More, for example. And this is what he brings. This is his style. Yeah, and uh, I I can hardly see Roman opening up, discovering a new band which will really hit him. It 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 is something I would not call impossible, but uh, not really possible, let's say. So we all sit on old music, and it somehow it keeps driving us forward and keeps influencing us, but maybe just in, in different ways. Not the way it was 10 years ago, but just somehow different, more different now. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. Um, I love hearing about where people are uh, getting their influences from. And, you know, there, there's only there's only so much, like, listening to new music can do for you I, I i like to listen to a lot of new music to get to hear where the state of things are in in a sense but also that's sort of chasing an endless dragon in a, in a way you don't always want to being on the cutting edge is uh pretty temporary in a lot of ways and i th- i think that or in terms of listening and of course you guys are making music that a lot of other people are listening to for inspiration and you know kind of uh yoinking some of your ideas and feelings and feeling and all of that and um and that's true of any band once you've reached a, cer- a certain level but that's re- it's it's interesting to to hear that you guys are all collectively sort of um sticking with some older stuff in your in your listening um so i think uh i think this is a pretty pretty good point to call it a, a day i know it's getting pretty late over there um do you have is there anything um that you want to let the the people know about in the world of ginger that's going on um tours and and stuff coming up that you um that you'd be interested in letting the people know well uh, i hope everybody knows that we're touring the u.s in uh, two weeks 
actually in two weeks we we start into just in two weeks damn time flies <laughs> fast yeah i wish i had a couple of more weeks at home with my family but yeah it is what it is i will have to fly fly away soon yeah we we're preparing something really special for the fans in the u.s we are bringing a couple of old very old songs which we haven't played for a couple of years already uh we are bringing new production and Honestly, I'm fe- I'm feeling quite nervous because we'll have to play after POD. And even though I have never been a big fan, but Tatiana, she had a poster and not one, many posters on her walls in her in her room. I remember I was in her in her uh, parents' apartment and I saw those posters. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's a challenge for her to go on stage after POD. Definitely, same for Roman. We even when we just to tell you a secret, when we were making up the package and uh, we knew that we had an opportunity to go on tour with P.O.D., the only problem for us was whether we are ready to go on stage after that because this is a band we grew up with, all of us. Even though I wasn't a fan, but damn, they have this these huge hits like Life, for example, or Use of the Nation, and all people know about these songs. Everybody of my generation know these songs. For example, my, my wife, she 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 was literally screaming when she got to know that we are touring with them. Uh, so and the the, the rest of, of the the rest of the bands they are awesome too. Uh, Malevolence, Vendit, uh, super cool guys. We already toured with Vendit. We had good time with Malevolence. And the one of the most important things is that we are bringing a Ukrainian band which I think everybody needs to check out. This is Space of Variations. They just released a new album. And this is what I want everybody to check out right after we're done with this stream. Space of Variations. Don't miss them and don't miss them live with us on tour. So come early to the shows. <laughs> come early. Um, maybe even catch P.O.D. if you're... No, you're... Uh, um, sorry, I, um, Space of Variations was the name of the band? Yeah, exactly. Space of variations. Space of variations. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll have to check them out. So hopefully I will get to see you when you guys are uh, in my area. Very exciting that you're going to be touring the U.S. again. You're around Los Angeles, yeah. aren't you? Yep. Yeah, so we we are finishing the tour in Los Angeles. It's, if I'm not mistaken, the 22nd of December. And we also start a tour in San Diego, if I'm not mistaken, on oh, okay. the 31st of, of October. In two weeks. Oh, so then, so, so you're I, gonna be I, you're gonna be in LA very very soon then because it's right after. Yeah, I'm, probably after. I, I'm actually we are, we are flying off to LA on the 25th in a week. Okay. And well, I will be really happy see to you. see you. Just hit me up on on Instagram. Yeah, we'll have good time. I, I'm sure. You know I will, dude. Thank you. Well, <laughs> Eugene, this was so great. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, um, especially Likewise. so late. Um, and very excited for the tour coming up. Very excited for this uh, album that you guys are working on. Um, and you know, uh, have a great. You try and relax for the next <laughs> for the next bit of time until you until you have to do do the tour. S- turn down all the rest of the interviews. This, this is it. This <laughs> I, is it. I'm not doing I'm not doing many these days because I got really tired of you know all all of them over the last. Years, I was the main guy in the band who was doing press. And I'm honestly quite 
quite tired of it. I can so imagine. I have now uh, uh, an opportunity to pick the best one. So yeah. this is a compliment to you. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I'm because that. Thank you. You say you say it was really exciting for you to talk, and for me too. It is absolutely mutual. It's always a big pleasure to talk to you know fellow musicians who really know the thing. So uh, once again, I will be really happy to see you at our show in San Diego, Los Angeles, whatever feels comfortable. Well, I appreciate that so much. And uh, we'll see you then. And everybody uh, who's watching from America, go and see Ginger on tour. All right, my dude, thank you so much. Have a great tour and I'll, I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, bye. That was so much fun. What a nice, knowledgeable, awesome, smart dude. Whew. So much fun. Man, do I love talking about this stuff. I get to the end of these and I'm always so stoked. I start off so anxious, like, like, um, you know, so many possible, uh, just things to be nervous about for no reason. And then by the time it gets to the end, I'm just so chuffed. Um, lear- I learn something new every time. So thank you all so much for watching. I do these every week at the same time. That's noon PST. Next week, Lacuna Coil. Lacuna Coil on the How Songs Are Made podcast right here on the Trey Xavier channel. Um, Said the wrong thing in the beginning. I just haven't gotten used to it yet. Be sure to hit the link in the description. There's several links in the description I I want to um, draw your attention to. One, our sponsor for the podcast, DistroKid. You can get 7% off of your first year, so that's one save some money if you're releasing music number two the hyper follow link for the new in virtue song so you can see what how the hyper follow actually works for distro kid for your own releases so once a week we do these live mondays friday stream is about songwriting critiques if you want to come check out the songwriting critique if you want to uh, learn how to support one way that you could support the channel and the podcast is by hitting the join button on uh, right here on YouTube. And of course, we also have How Songs Are Made merch at the link in the description. And y'all are the best. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you to our sponsor, DistroKid. And I will see you all hopefully next week. Have a great week. Bye bye.